0: This is the Fatherhood Unlocked podcast, and my name is Dan Doty. I'm a father of three, an outdoorsman, and a meditator, and supporting dads to be the best version of themselves is my highest calling. Fatherhood is the biggest rite of passage in a man's life. It's our biggest opportunity to grow up, to wake up, and to learn who we actually are. I believe that a father's love is the biggest missing vitamin on the planet. This podcast is intended to be a lightning rod to call men to action, to create community, and to set a new tone and standard for what fatherhood means. Welcome to Fatherhood Unlocked. And we're back. After taking a couple weeks off to, let's just call it, summer laziness, I'm excited to be here with our first in-person podcast on Fatherhood Unlocked. When I used to do my old podcast, the the Everyman podcast, uh, I would attempt to get as many in-person episodes in there as possible, and I always liked it, but it's been years, and I got to sit down with Ashley Brichter and have a conversation. And it was, as you might imagine, fucking awesome to be in person, to actually, uh, you know, connect. Ashley Brichter is the founder of Birth Smarter. She is an educator, a childbirth and parenting educator, and Birth Smarter is an educating education platform uh, about birth and parenting, and it's fucking solid. Ashley and her team offer online courses, on-demand courses, and also in-person courses, I believe, in New York City and Salt Lake City, maybe somewhere else too. But she has a, an incredibly sharp, solid, and I'd say powerful Process and understanding, and just a whole program of teaching all the stuff that we need to know when we're becoming parents. And I want to make a note too, and you'll hear it in the interview for sure, but Ashley also specifically holds uh, a love and a care and an intention around fatherhood as, as part of the birthing and parenting process, which I appreciate deeply. And we find real alignment on. So, just to highlight a few things as we go into this episode, there's going to be a lot of information here you know, that's right in the core wheelhouse of, of what Birth Smarter brings about what Ashley's background is, a little bit of her story. And we also get into something called Fair Play Coaching. And I don't believe we've talked about this on the podcast yet, but Fair Play is a book by a woman named Eve Rodsky. And I think it came out in 2018. Let me see. When did it come out? 2019. Fair Play by Eve Rodsky. And it is pretty important. What it is is a, a systemized way to look through all of the work that goes into raising children and running a family and a home. And this is uh, has been and still is one of the hardest parts of my personal marriage and fatherhood journey where I think I am just as guilty as uh, anyone in anyone out there about being ignorant about all of the, unrecognized labor that goes into running a home, taking care of kids and all that stuff. So anyway, Ashley and I get into this towards the end of our podcast together. And I think I'd like to probably do some some episodes specifically about fair play and this concept. It's really important. It's really important. Um, So that's let's pin that for a second. And I have a few announcements before we get into our conversation with Ashley. I guess I have two announcements. The first announcement is that we have just opened the first ever cohort of Fatherhood Unlocked Facilitator Training. And the facilitator training is really a a key linchpin in my vision and my plan to really build a robust community and a movement of uh, of dads and of, of men who are stepping up To really take on this new, the the new era of parenting, the new era of fatherhood. And so the facilitator training is an eight, it's an eight week training. It's online. It's going to be fairly intensive, uh, but I do know that dads don't often have a ton of extra time. So it's, there's not going to be much work outside of the calls, but I'm going to lay out the very foundational basics of what it takes to support and facilitate and run a small group, uh, a men's group, a dad's group. And so we're going to work with the themes that are alive in Fatherhood Unlocked and Father's Fire and Fatherhood Ready, and I'm going to teach the skills, basic skill sets, model, uh, and you're going to have time to practice basic skill sets. So you can't become like the world's greatest facilitator in eight weeks, but the intention is to lay down very strong basic foundational skills, and then you get if you if you so choose if you go down this path then I want to open up uh, facilitator spots for you in my programming and for Father's Fire, Fatherhood Ready. These are paid spots. And to become fully certified as a facilitator, you need to go through the training and then do six months of approved uh, practice, actual live practice. And you can do that within my system if that works. So super excited about this. This is something new. I've trained facilitators in other capacities, and I'm so excited to really put this uh, in play to put this practice in play. And, and really, you know, it's just an opportunity to be a leader of men, to be a leader of your family, leader of community. And honestly, you know, the, the facilitators who go through this are going to get an immense amount of, this is a, this is a great way to do your own work as well. It's a great way to grow yourself, um, you know, as you facilitate and as you lead, you get to uh, you know, confront your own need for growth and own place to step up just as much as everybody else or more. So Fatherhood Unlocked Facilitator Training, we start in September. Would love you to check it out, dandody.com and look at Fatherhood Unlocked Facilitator Training. I'll be more brief with this one, but we're also announcing the next cohort of Fatherhood Ready, led by my buddy Aaron Blaine, a retired Special Forces Uh, operator, and an amazing dad, and now the the lead trainer for Fatherhood Ready. Fatherhood Ready is a boot camp, a deep dive, small group, high-touch, high-intensity, rite-of-passage program for men about to become dads and maybe those who just became dads. We're basically looking at that time period between conception and the end of postpartum. But it's also been a program very helpful to men attempting to conceive, or men who are possibly being pressured to to become a parent, or are curious about becoming a parent and wants to dive in, learn more, be proactive, and do some of the deeper work around what's necessary. Becoming a dad is one of the largest rites of passage that's around anymore, and it's usually done un uh, you know unsupported. Usually, life itself just kind of kicks our ass, and maybe if we get lucky, we mature and grow up and get our get our wits about us. Uh, this is a way to start that process in a really sustainable, uh, supported way. So it's one of my favorite things we're doing. Um, and we're building a network of birth practitioners around the country to support us with this. Uh, as you might imagine, the, the world of midwives and uh, birth professionals and all, all are very, very excited about this. There's a huge gap. There's a missing piece of fatherhood education and fatherhood readiness when it comes to birth. I'm becoming a dad. All right, enough yakking about that stuff. I'm super excited to share this interview with Ashley Brichter, and thanks for being here. All right, well, uh, I guess the first thing I have to say is this is the loveliest setting for the, a podcast episode so far, uh, and surprising to... Uh, surprising (laughs) uh this is about a thousand times better than being on zoom with somebody so welcome Ashley. thank you for being here and uh yeah i've been looking forward to this conversation for uh, quite a long time actually
1: yeah me too i'm glad we made it work and it is a very very beautiful spot to be working and recording a podcast
0: yeah without giving away details it's like i could probably throw a football to to this place maybe no that's not true if i had a helicopter i could
1: Yeah, we could fly a drone between our houses easily. Exactly. Yeah Uh,
0: Well, let's let's just start out um, You know really simply and straightforward Uh, Tell us about birth smarter. Tell us about what's the most what's I don't know what rises to the top for you What's most important in your life?
1: Yeah um, well somebody asked me this question last night and they were like, why is birth smarter different than any other childbirth education company out there? And, um, there were a lot of things that I wanted to say, but I feel like my position in the birth and parenting, World um, is really trying to help people learn how to think critically, uh, so that they can navigate all of the unknowns and unexpecteds and twists and turns that come their way. So we are really not a place where we want to give people advice um, or information or overwhelm them in any way. I feel like we're just a uh, like a framework factory. Not factory is a terrible word, but you know, like (laughs) we want people to come to us to uh, try and just understand and get some perspective. Um, and then the the reason I'm so excited to talk to you is cause I think another thing that birth smarter does really differently is care so much about partners and dads in particular. Yeah. Um, and the, I mean, that's just woven into the fiber of every class we teach and every support group we run is that, you know, partners aren't important. They're essential. And, um, we want to support expectant fathers just as much as expectant mothers um and that out of the whole company um that is like my passion point um so all the teachers have like a different target audience and i mm. feel like i'm just so much trying to show up for dads for lots of different reasons um but yeah i think that's that's where we're at so birth murder is a childbirth education and postpartum support company and community um, for anybody who's having a baby and in the throes of those first, you know, few months. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I want to just ask why on the father thing, but let's. We'll, we'll come right back to it. I'm curious what what led you. Uh, my, I think my basic understanding of who you are and your path uh, becoming a parent has has a big deal to do with this and and t- choosing this path and and creating this. Or I'm curious what you did before. Yeah. What was your passion before?
1: I've actually always been on this path cool so becoming a parent i think solidified things that i knew about my interests and how i wanted to show up in the world but um for as long as i can remember like every summer i was always the person who was helping parents with their babies Mm. Um, and i think very early i realized that I was less interested in, or equally interested, I will say, equally interested in playing with the babies and helping the parents. So, you know, in babysitting, if I could unload somebody's groceries or, you know, make mac and cheese or fold laundry, um, I could tell that if I took some of the burden off of parents, they did a better job um, and maybe, like, needed me less and really loved seeing the bond that parents had with their kids. So I've always been that babysitter- cousin friend.
0: you should train babysitters <laughs> you should start a babysitter school
1: totally i mean oh, i man. like have had versions of those jobs right growing up i was like hey we'll all babysit me and my friends or yeah. now all nanny or now my very first business before birth smarter my first llc was called managing overwhelming moments
0: yeah
1: and um essentially it was i think my tagline was like Life support for New York City's high impact women Um, And so it was a little bit It started as nannying And then I was like Well, I can be a personal assistant And then I can also cook And then I can get your car fixed And then I can help you file your divorce papers And whenever someone was parenting And just like strung out a little bit I was like, I can figure out how to help you here Like a mother's Um, helper
0: on like On steroids steroids. Juice Yeah, totally
1: And then I fell into explicitly doing doula work, postpartum doula work and birth doula work. Um, And from there I found childbirth education. But so with this interest, with being passionate about families, I really thought as a young woman, I had to be a classroom teacher. Ah. Like I didn't know that there was another path. So I always played school um, and then went to college and got a degree in education and a teaching certification and loved thinking about sort of pedagogy as an art form right like how do we craft lessons how do we get people to learn and remember um and with that have always actually really loved marketing and like being a consumer of advertising and being like oh that's such a good ad they got me to think that thing and now i know that they got me to think it so i'm not gonna buy it but like they did a good job um and and in a way that i wanted to communicate as a teacher right Mm -hmm. like um I want to get someone to think a very particular thing in a yeah. way that makes them feel um, Light-hearted or funny um, or heartfelt So I think what happened when I became a childbirth educator is I realized all of the knowledge I had about parenting and little kids and support in this period of life. I could turn into group lessons Amazing. Um, and so
0: and did you teach in a classroom? Were you? Did you do this yeah, straight up? I did. In the city? In new I, York?
1: I didn't teach in New York City. I taught mostly in Philadelphia, okay. uh, in and yeah. around Philly. And um, part of the reason that I went into doula work is because I couldn't get a job in New York City. There were a bunch of hiring freezes when I graduated from college. Huh. Um, and so people were like, we're not hiring any new teachers for a year or two. Um, interestingly, unless you had done Teach for America.
0: So that's what I did in <clears throat> New York City, teaching fellows.
1: Yeah. Right. So my husband did Teach for America. And the moment I graduated from college was actually really interesting because I had for four years really dedicated so much time and energy to teaching in Philly schools Um, and got my teaching certification, the traditional route, and was so committed to Hmm. being in the classroom. Um, and then I couldn't get hired in any of the schools that I wanted to get hired in But Teach for America and teaching fellows got all of their students in because they had that sort of contract sure. And they had all of this expertise content expertise and no Teaching experience <laughs> and I was like something about this feels really wrong to me Yeah. Um, and it's actually a really interesting point because birth smarter success I think is due in large part to the fact that we are all educators as well as experts cool. um, and so it's like you can take a class with a labor and delivery nurse if you're gonna have a baby um, and they might know a whole lot about how birth happens in a hospital setting yeah. but if they don't know how to teach you um, you're not gonna remember any of the information
0: brilliant you know I just, I just made a connection I've never realized before but so you know the teaching fellows program was like teach for America where like you just mentioned uh, I had no experience. <laughs> right. Like I was in the classroom uh, I think the day before I took a single class. Right. Before I was educated in any sense. Which is crazy. That that's not true. We had a little Yeah, they two orient you. Or I had, I had yeah. orientation. But um But I never realized that there's a to me there's a corollary there about becoming a parent, which is, you know, I was thrown into this position. As a teacher in that unique context, and and you know the being thrown into the role of of a parent, you know is one of the basic reasons that I'm so passionate about you know speaking to dads and, and doing the work specifically for fathers, just because it's. It, I mean, this is somewhat simplistic and even Pollyanna, but I, am, I just can't quite square it how the difference between how every dad I ever talked to. You ask them what the most important thing is in their life, and it's being a dad. It's their children and the square that with the amount of time and energy and training and practice and even just talking about <laughs> You know, it's like whoa. It's so strange. I, I just think it's such a strange
1: Yeah thing. I think that's really interesting. I mean, that's so much of why I wanted to pitch this conversation, right? Is yeah. how do dads get access to information and training in yeah. a world that is talking to moms? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the other thing I'll say about my background and interest is that. Um, my parents got divorced when I was seven. Yeah. Um, and so I think that that played a really big role in me being the only girl in a family of divorced parents where I wanted to do a lot of caretaking for each of them yeah. from a very early age. Um, and paying attention to like how I could... Make Their lives easier and in particular I think I thought a lot about my dad and I was like very aware of what it meant for him to be a Father and things I wish he did or things. I noticed that he did Um, And then similarly once I had my daughter and I had I had been doing this work for years before I had my daughter But I could really see the difference in my experience and my husband Matt's experience Um, and like in particular ways that he was Literally, like physically left alone um, with our daughter, with his feelings, with the whole experience. And I was so surrounded and supported. And it was like, oh, this hold on (laughs) you know i have all this postpartum knowledge i know how to get people to cook for me i know how to get body work i know what therapy i need um and matt is literally sitting alone holding a baby with all of the pent-up fears and feelings and emotions and you know witnessed and secondary trauma like all of it and nobody was like hey how are you
0: yeah yeah well said i you know Extrapolating on that sort of as an archetype, right? I think that's that's actually an image that would maybe go on the album the cover of this album, right? <laughs> Dad yeah. alone in a room with child and a trail of unspoken or unrecognized or unpro you know, just I don't know, an inner inner world of uh, I don't know I could say some dramatic words like desperation and things, but you know they might fit. I think that
1: they might fit sometimes right and that's what feels like that's what I see Facilitating dad's groups for birth smarter and just working with more dads um, with fair play coaching and things like that they are They are interested in rising to the occasion. Yeah, they are so willing Yeah, and so alone people are oh. like well y'all should do more and do better so do it but we're not gonna give you any help and we're gonna like micromanage and criticize you along and get the real way. pissed
0: at you along the yeah. way or whatever right? Yeah. I mean yeah right so yeah. we
1: want you to like do all the work and also we know you should have feelings but we don't have any attention for them yeah. Um. so sort of like figure it all out alone
0: yeah yeah well I mean partially in response to that is You know, um, we haven't talked in a while, but, you know, since since we've connected, uh, you know, my my main community now, it's called Father's Fire. It's it's like the just an ongoing online men's group community for dads uh, for all those things. And and the I think we I think this was alive when we spoke, but the the fatherhood ready course is is beginning to scale, which is the beginning of, uh, you know, the the it's not a boot camp. I hate that term, but it's like the, it's the initial training. Right. But what I'm most proud of, and it's just a small detail, but what I'm most proud of is that when guys get to do that first, uh, group training together for fatherhood ready, as they're becoming a dad, then they get like, you know, several months free to be part of the larger community. So they, they just like slide into this community of dads yeah. doing the thing. But, um, That's where conversations like this come in because you know we're doing our best. I'm you know doing my best to get all the information, but man, you know we have a lot of catch up to do. We have so much catch up to do on so many fronts, and um, so I'm just deeply appreciative of uh, yeah of your of your attention and your care to it because you know I I it's easy to um, for me and I don't know if this is true or not, but so it's easy for me to externalize um <clears throat> the point here in a sense like of course dads we need to you know grow and mature and get better and do our part and all this but it's easy to be that. It's, well it's for them it's for our partners it's for our kids it's for all of these things but god damn it we need you know we, we 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 need it too and i think it's i mean that's probably just part of my own psychology it's uh um you know i am overwhelmed getting my ass kicked as a dad Oh, today. I am right overwhelmed in getting my ass <laughs> yeah, kicked yeah. as a mom. And I yeah. feel
1: like that's what I say in my groups all the time is um, this is not to be sort of like incredibly egotistical. But if I can't manage the day to day, like, y'all, yeah, I, have, I know yeah. so much. I have so much perspective. I have yeah. so much wisdom. I have all of the things in my corner. And I cry like hit breaking points and cry and cry in front of my kids and i'm like y'all i can't i can't deal with your feelings yeah. i can't deal with your needs i need some time alone this is kicking my ass right yeah. and so if i can't do it um in the way that instagram says i should in the way that the yeah. books say i should mm-hmm. nobody can but also it's a reminder for me that that nobody can right that's the that's the part of the system that I think is really important and like how the cards are stacked against us. And I think, so the two things I wanted to say in terms of the framework that we use, this birth smarter perspective, one term that we use is the pregnant opportunity. Mm. Um, And it's exactly what you were saying, right? Where we get, We have a window here when we have kids where we are invited to do this work Yeah, Um, and it's really easy to think well I can do this work for my kids because I want them to have a better childhood than I did or I can do this work for my partner but really we get to do this work for ourselves and all Mm -hmm. the lessons of you know becoming a morning person or Having a functional body so that you can keep up with your toddler who's going to run away um, Or keeping your cool when somebody makes you really frustrated all these the lessons we get to learn Because of our kids help us become better versions of ourselves as people Mm -hmm. Um, so that One idea I think is really really helpful like how can we bring it back to making this Mm -hmm. about us and then the other piece is we have this framework that we use in all of our classes and so picture a venn diagram Uh, and basically we say there's no right way to do anything Mm -hmm. but in order to find your path or your right way we look at the intersection of what is the physiological process Mm -hmm. like what's the science what's happening What's the societal context? Mm -hmm. And for there, it's like, hey, capitalism in 2023 is pretty shitty for parents for lots of reasons. Um, And then what's your personal circumstance? What are your values? What's your experience? What are you bringing to the table?
0: I like that.
1: You know? Mm -hmm. And so right in the middle, it's like, all right, well, I get that, like, you know, I have a baby and they have these needs. Here's what society is asking me to do. I have to make money or I have to move or Mm -hmm. I have to do whatever. And here's what I care about. Um, and so you might make one choice and your friend might make another and both of those are great Yeah, right, but it is really helpful to know that like there is no success or failure Um, even if things are really hard if you're on your path, it can still be like What you're supposed to be doing that day.
0: Yeah, no, that's a really helpful framework if I feel Do you know rochelle garcia? Yeah, so go so i've been I had her on the show and, and we've been chatting and you know she just has one lens on it. But the, you know, the physiological lens is, is how she begins. And uh, that's been huge in our dad education and dad groups is just, man, like the more cohorts we, we run and the more I learn about physiology and postpartum and pregnancy and birth and all of this stuff, it just feels like. I mean, maybe this is true about all education, but it it just feels like holy crap, like we're being like why why are we only aware of this small amount of, of what's true? Again, I don't know if I'm articulating this well, but I'm blown away by how much I don't know constantly. Oh. Right? And trying to help find educators and bring educators in is is wonderful. Um the societal context is uh I think I spent a lot of time on this podcast sort of exploring that and trying to find a baseline. But um, you said that things are and I don't want to spend too much time on this, but things are stacked against us in this moment in time. I'd, I'd love you to, to flesh that out just a little bit more and hear your perspective because yeah. I think it's critical.
1: Yeah, I mean, and I think so. That's true for all parents. Right. Um, but I think when it comes to sort of perinatal health, um, we get a ton of care when we're pregnant. Uh, for, for the pregnant parent. So there's a lot of prenatal visits, but it's within an obstetrical model of care where we're not looking at the whole person. So from the beginning of pregnancy, we're really monitoring a fetus's health. Mm-hmm. So there's nobody out there saying, how are you doing? Are you ready to have a kid? Do you have your life, your mental health, all of this set up, yeah. right? Yeah. So like I feel from the very beginning, our society is like, we want to make sure that your baby is alive. <laughs>
0: Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like yep. that's it. Yeah. Right. Um,
1: and that's how most people go into prenatal classes for childbirth ed. You know, like we will we, we'll teach dozens and dozens of people a month and we say to them, what are you hoping for? Mm-hmm. And nine out of 10 say, healthy mom, healthy baby. That's it. And we're like, all right, let's assume that that's the baseline. Yeah. Right. Let's, yeah. We, why do we have to say that? Yeah. How about in the United States in 2023, healthy mom, healthy baby, healthy parent, healthy baby is basic. Yeah. And then where can we go from there? I'm really hoping to have a, an experience in the birth room where I bond with my partner. I'm really hoping to find my strength. I'm really hoping to find my voice. I'm really, whatever. Right? We can reach for the stars here, I think.
0: It's a low baseline, but it's also a baseline riddled with, like, panic and fear. Totally. Right?
1: Totally. So it's like, ah, baby, might not,
0: ah, you know, it's wild.
1: Yeah. So we we have a society that from the get-go is scared that something is going to go wrong. Right. And then the fear-mongering is throughout. So we're sort of breeding people to be anxious parents. And...
0: We got to stop that. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. Yeah, we do. I think it takes
1: a lot of people. You know, my uncle looked at my husband and I, and in particular, he looked at my husband when I was pregnant. And he just sort of had this like calmness in his body. And he said, this is the best thing that you will ever do. Having a kid. And he was the first person in months that looked at my husband and said so sincerely with his whole body, like... This is going to be positive.
0: Intentional fathering is an audio course that we have created and recorded. And it's something that you can do to work with me and work with this content and work on your life as a dad without uh, any interruption and without needing to wait for things to happen. So it's an audio course that de- that's delivered right to your podcast, your podcatcher. So whatever you use, Spotify, iTunes, whatever, it's delivered right there. And it is a deep dive solo exploration course for you to do some meditations and do some journaling and take on some challenges and learn some, new sp- pers- and learn some new perspectives and tools about being a dad. Being intentional means you're slowed down enough, you're paying attention enough, you're looking into the future, you're being proactive and not simply reactive. And it's critical, critical when we're having these little kid kids around, we're building our families, we're trying to do our best in this chaotic world. Intentional fathering, you can go to dandoty.com follow the link to intentional fathering. I'm surprised, maybe there has been, but I'm surprised there hasn't been sort of like a, uh, in the realm of psychology, more uh, specialization around parenthood. You know, It's well, was 2023, right? Like, right? like, I'm getting into this and I'm looking, <laughs> I'm like, man, it seems like fatherhood's a pretty big rite of passage that changes a man fundamentally and makes him completely. You know, gives them an opportunity to grow up in a way he maybe never could in other way, but we don't ever fucking... Know. It's like, what is yeah. going on? Well,
1: you know, but the same thing happens with mothers, Yes. Right? So, you know, there are all these Instagram memes now, too, that are like, um, uh, you know, like, you, good job, mama, you've got it. Like, you know, and they're like, that is... It's a consolation prize to a society that's not showing up. So it starts in prenatal care when we just want a baby who's alive. Yeah. Then there's no postpartum health care, right? You get to see somebody six weeks after you have a visit, after you give birth, sorry, for your six-week visit. Um, again, no wraparound coverage, no mm-hmm. consistent mental health care, mm-hmm. no lactation support, no pelvic floor support. Um, and then the lack of parental leave, right? Yeah. And so... And I think that is when you do look at fatherhood research and engaged partnerships, we're mostly seeing it in countries in Europe that have leave that both parents can split. So if you have 20 to 40 weeks of paid leave, yeah, yeah, and most parents are choosing to split it, I think the primary um, shift where I see parents really collaborating and dads who are like plugged in and get it from sort of a fair play mental load perspective. They mm-hmm. like know how to show up, not just like babysit, right? Yeah. But parent is when they have time alone with their kids. Totally. And so if you have a parental leave situation where, you know, birth parent is home first and then they go back to work and then dad's home and he's like, oh my gosh, I have a baby and I have to feed them and I have to put them to sleep and I have to pack the diaper bag and nobody's going to do this for me, Yeah. right? Then they figure it out. And I think a lot of times what happens in the families that I see is um, from a very well-intentioned place, there is a lot of maternal gatekeeping that happens because dads go back to work first. So moms figure it out, and then you come to a Saturday, and you're like, can you please take the baby? But let me tell you these 20 things to do because you don't know how to do them. And it's like, well, nobody told you what to do.
0: Let me figure it out. Yeah,
1: you had trial by fire. And so I know it's uncomfortable, but I'm constantly saying, like, leave the house and let them figure it out. Like, they're going to be okay, and actually it's going to be better in the long run.
0: See, we could already start building just, like, a a simple, like, I almost see, like, a little card that goes on a fridge. Like, the the ten things dads need to pay attention to beyond the fucking car seat. Right.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Totally. Be be there at the, you know,
0: be there at the birth. Obviously, generally that's understood, but like be there. Right. Like, yeah, X amount of days, solo parenting before X date. Mm. I love that. Right. Something like that. Because anecdotally, I mean, this is, this is, this is sustained that in, you know, with the dads I work with, when they get an opportunity to be alone with the kids, it's the greatest, like, it's wildly enjoyable. It's yeah. deeply fulfilling. I mean, I know it for myself. And, you know, my wife and I are uh, really have been engaged as much as possible together in this whole process. But it's still the case. So I, I, I'm, I'm the only one that works primarily in, right. in our in our family. And, you know, with our first kid, I got to take a lot of time off. And it was the best chunk of my whole life. And then the second... And then the third were different. And the, and the third with Wilderness, um, you know, I did. we did what we could to protect mom and baby and their time for as long as possible. But that meant running a whole household and taking care of two boys and working when I could. And, you know, and so it's a bummer. I. It's a huge bummer. I, um, you know, Jen, we, I think we know we were introduced yeah. by Jen Meyer, right? Yeah. Yeah. So even with all of her coaching and support, like I did my best to take as much time off as I could and... It just still wasn't enough. No, and that's
1: where I think then that societal piece comes in. Yeah. Right? So we're pushing the stone uphill, trying to keep our families afloat, trying yeah. to keep our mental health regulated, trying to keep our partnership alive. <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and society is like, hey, here's inflation. Hey, here's, you know, all of these political debates. Hey, here's like a lack of paid leave. Here's really global expensive. pandemic. Yeah, exactly. No. Right. Um, and figuring out childcare, figuring out health insurance, figuring out where you take your kid when they're sick, Figuring out vaccines, figuring out like, wait, you know, especially for us in Maine right now, like my kid gets bit by a tick, you go to 10 different doctors, they give you different information. Mm-hmm. And so you as a parent are trying to become a pediatrician, you're trying to become a nutritionist, you're trying to become a gym teacher and a physical therapist and an a reading coach.
0: I don't know how to say the we're, word, we're, we we're got an ear doctor for my kid and it's an odoral Yeah,
1: <laughs> and so how do you keep up with that yeah. when You know, we live in a world with such different specialties and you have to sort of be in this rat race because there isn't someone sort of saying like, hey, family, I'm going to be your point person. I'm going to make sure you guys are good. Um, And maybe I mean, that could be for a lot of different reasons, but I know that it puts a huge strain on relationships. Yes it does. Um, when everybody feels like they're fighting all the time, right? We're living in that sort of stressed out state.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm curious to um well I want to make sure we get to like the 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 big stuff, right? In 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 this whole mix, uh you know, I guess the the basic questions I have is from your perspective um know what what are dads getting right what are they not where can we lean in more Hmm. what are some of the bigger picture things that that um are influencing and yeah i um as you mentioned earlier there's so much good not only goodwill, but effort that i see you know from the men that come to me specific come into our community like you know they're showing up and and they're putting their money down they're putting their time in and um You know, and it's helping I believe right yeah. like I think it's helping but it, it there is a sense that It's not helping enough.
1: Yeah, I think that I love the phrasing of that question what are dads getting right because i think it's so much i really see so many people showing up and we we sort of joke all the time at birth murder, like we have birth murder dads are the best mm-hmm. um and i think it's twofold like one it's the people who are finding us mm-hmm. right so the people mm-hmm. who want to spend time and money showing up for classes and support groups to help them become better partners and better parents like automatically right they're in the top one totally. yeah. percent um and then we're able to sort of engage them in a way to uh refine their skills um right so it's like you're coming in with confidence you're coming in with eagerness and we're going to point you in the right direction so that you mm-hmm. can be really efficient with your limited time and resources yeah and that's like perfect yeah. right um so I think what they're doing right is that they're showing up. Yep. They're asking questions. Um, and they're willing to put time and money and, and their feelings and vulnerability on the line to be the best that they can be right now. Yep. And I think that, you know, I reserve the right to change my mind if this is the most important thing. Um, but I think what I would love to see for all of the dads I know as a challenge is like to almost be braver in how um, Loud they are about the work that they're doing hmm. and like Talk about that and model that and make it something that more people can pay attention to Because um, I think a little bit it happens behind closed doors.
0: Yeah, so more societally loud more community level loud Like yeah, be the example in a louder more more clear way that can be yeah. seen and heard that. Yeah
1: Right? Like, hey, I'm taking paternity leave. This is why I'm taking paternity leave. This is what I get to do right now. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think we need more of those voices in public settings and in Mm -hmm. just in our communities, right? Mm -hmm. If you're sitting at a barbecue and you're like, let me take the baby and put the baby in a carrier and put the baby to sleep, being like, look what I get to do as a dad, right? Because I can parent. And like, I don't know if it has to be in a joking way or a sincere way, but like, making dad parenting really visible. Yeah, Um, yeah.
0: You know, it's really interesting. So when I work, uh, part of my work, I work with executives as a consultant or a coach, right? So I'm putting all my attention onto their behavior, their beliefs, all this kind of stuff. And there's this interesting thing that I've noticed, which is it seems like when an individual makes behavioral changes, sometimes it takes some time to catch up their... Understanding or belief or identity. Mm. Um, there seems to be a pattern there. It's interesting about fatherhood too, collectively, because I mean, I, first of all, here on the little quaint coast of Maine, I, I've said this a few other times probably on the show, but the level of dadding going around here, and I mean, listen, I'm talking small, like we're in a Montessori community, then we're in a Waldorf community, right? And like s- small scale. Yeah. but in those scenarios like holy crap like like a solid a plus yeah dads like happening and um you know kimberly johnson yeah yeah so she was on the show not too long ago she's a good friend of mine and um you know her take was she, so she lived in southern california and her take was like, man, I see, you know, drop school drop off. It's like sixty five percent dads, right? And she, so it just had all this like anecdotal evidence of dads really, really being there. And obviously, statistically, I have no idea, right? Like, I don't I have insight on this tiny little, very privileged life that I live. Um, but I like, I like your response. I, I, I agree. And I, you don't have to follow this thread, but. You know if I could design my perfect job right now I'd go consult for major media and be like you guys need to like flip the script a little bit here right like I feel, I feel like there's such old tropes being shared you must know Josh Levs do you know Josh no oh man you got to know this guy So I interviewed him yesterday. He wrote a book called All In. Mm -hmm. He collected like the world's greatest data set about fatherhood and parental leave. You gotta know this guy. I
1: wanna know him. Yeah, yeah,
0: I'll introduce you. Um, His quick story was that he was at CNN as a, I think as an anchor or a correspondent, had a birth coming up and uh, requested leave. And they had a 12 week leave policy for literally everyone except for biological fathers. (laughs) <laughs> and they wouldn't give it to him he, you know he made a stink and they wouldn't give it to him and and then he it ended up pressing you know he made a case out of it a legal case out of it and it went he went viral it yeah. went you know and um and he got a book deal out of that and Yeah. Fascinating, intelligent, lovely human. And yeah, I'll make an intro. I think you'll.
1: Well, so here's what I think too about like Kimberly's point about school drop off and and the point I want to make about what I would like to see this. And it's so hard, right? Because it's like we're talking about the group of dads that we know, the group of dads who are listening to this podcast, the group of dads that are pushing. I mean, I see them pushing up against really hard stuff to show up in the way that they're pushing. And, you know, my family is included in this dynamic where we're trying to figure a whole lot out about the gender division of labor and overcoming old tropes and things like that. And... So I understand how hard it is to have somebody ask you to do more Mm -hmm. when you're like, yo, I'm doing so much and I'm like pretty exhausted and I would like somebody to give me a prize and I would like to sit down for a minute. And that said, um, I think there's a difference between dropping your kid off at school and volunteering on the PTA. Yeah, right. Yeah. Or like organizing the class list or setting up a play date or bringing your kid to a doctor's office in the middle of the day versus doing the thing that you get to do on the way to work.
0: Yeah. And
1: so, um, you know, like we talk about this all the time in my family, but, you know, my daughter's class, some of the moms have like gone out to get a drink together and the dads never have. Mm-hmm. And there's all these things where, you know, men and women in our society tend to socialize differently and be vulnerable and make friends differently.
0: Yeah.
1: Um and so what would that opportunity have to be for a dad to be like, "Hey, do you guys want to like go out, get together, talk about what this is like?" And so that's where I would ask you the question cuz that's yeah. not my area of expertise, but it's like how can we create a space where one, you know, one dad starts and is like, basically, right? Does anybody want to be my friend?
0: Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it's it's, uh, you know, it's really right at the heart of what I've been doing for a long time now. And um, I, I mean, uh, if if I had a clear answer, I would share it. Right? Um, um, part of what's underneath it is that I actually think that fatherhood makes a real opportunity available, a more reachable opportunity for men to soften and reach out and be more community focused and to talk and to feel, you know, all, all of that part, which has been so substantially socialized as, as not. Um, and, but we're also talking about right now, like the generations kind of behind us, I, I think it is different, right? So sometimes I wonder if we're just like talking to this layer of history that's just, you know, yeah. my generation. I, that's probably not fully true, but I wonder about it. Um, but yeah, I mean, ideally, this is actually kind of why I've decided to choose is to work with fathers specifically, is ideally we, you know, boys are uh, raised... Where that's just normal from the beginning, right? I mean, we're we're talking about doing some major reparative shifts yeah. in terms of socializing, community, nurturing, connection, communication, right? This is just huge part of just what I think is like fundamental humanity, like basic human level needed skills, and it it, it has to do with, um, I would say, pretty deep identity level things, right? Totally value and worth and all that stuff. So so that's not all that helpful I think I think what what men can do so great or I think one of the ways to do it is just you said the word courage right it's I mean you just got to do it you just gotta like be willing to step in and lean in and um and I know for myself I mean this is my job right like I like this is this is what I pay attention to it's what I care about and and I, I I'm as stuck in the in in old ways as anybody right I mean it is the specific and I use this as an excuse, which is not fair. Maybe, maybe sometimes it's fair, but as the sole moneymaker at this point, you know, to wake up and shove thoughts and fears out for two hours while I really show up and and parent to be with kids and get ready for the day. I got it. You know, can I, can I, can I segment and really be home when I'm home and, uh, really be at work when I'm at work. And and that is that is one of the ways that we talk about it and, and work with dads is, is that we really have to be aware and, you know, with the limited time we have, right, like learn our nervous system and our bodies and our ways of being so that when is go time at work, just like, you know, like get after it. Right. I mean you have to you have to be efficient. And then and then when you need to shift ways of being, you have to shift ways of being. But what what I wanted to get in here is that it's so it still is so easy for me to not be able to see where i have any more room hmm. or space or bandwidth or holding you know and yeah that i'm seeing a therapist to help me <laughs> i mean because i mean there there really is a uh, um a, and i'm i'm so curious what you think but i just i just feel like it's an unwinnable race oh totally right? it's an, totally it's it is, an unwinnable right? race yeah. yeah
1: but i think well hmm, I'm so torn between it. it's a totally an unwinnable race and also like what on earth is our idea of winning? Like what is our idea of winning that we don't have to work that we don't have to like deal with feelings That we don't have to put our kids to bed that we can like sit and (laughs) read a book and drink a beer and like chill Like how is that winning for humans, right? We should be moving our bodies all the time and interacting with each other all the time and facing struggle all the time And like winning is getting to play Right, like as long as you're playing you're not dead yet so I don't know i'm like really stuck between for sure nobody's gonna win and also like yo we're all winning yeah i don't know
0: no i hear you yeah that resonates for me for sure
1: yeah and i think a little bit that's us getting caught in this generation right like i think we have that we have that idea of success or failure And like that's what we're fighting against so much. There is no success when you're giving birth. It's not vaginal or cesarean. It's not medicated or not medicated. It's not formula or bottle feeding. It's not your baby sleeping eight hours straight. There is no success or failure. Yeah. There is just living this life that is really messy and different for all of us. Yeah. But I think I wanted to go back because you talked about recognizing your Your patterns and sort of what comes up for you. And I think what's really interesting about the conversation between sort of motherhood and fatherhood as they exist right now is a really huge shift for me and my family and therefore in how I paid attention to dads at Birth Smarter was recognizing how destructive my first two to four years of motherhood was for my marriage Mm. and like being able to notice that and sort of say that publicly and say that to my husband was like oh it wasn't all your fault it was mostly your fault (laughs) (laughs) mostly it was you but like a little bit it was me and so I very much um wanted to identify as the martyr mom. Mm-hmm. I wanted to do all of the things for my baby and cook and clean and grow a business, mm-hmm. right? Because I was raised as someone who was like, you can do it all. Yeah. And um, not care that I had a partner who was not pulling his weight because yeah. like I could pull all the weight because look how strong I was.
0: Well, I'm so curious about the Fair Play coaching specifically. Yeah. Because as we have this conversation the the what comes up in my head is like man I wish there was somebody who could look at this with us yeah like actually look at it yeah and is that what you, is that that's what, what do? we do well now. we got to do that my yeah we got to do that let's we do, do a, it yeah let's do a do
1: podcast it. coaching session
0: that's terrifying and sure <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah um
1: yeah so you know in fair play language I had about ninety percent of the cards I was doing all yeah. the work right, right. and um. With one kid, I felt very good about it. Like my Mm -hmm. ego really thrived. Mm -hmm. Um, My nervous system, I think, was starting to shut down. Um, But like, who cares about that? (laughs) Um, And so we would have periods of fighting, periods of me asking for more help. But it was very much in the language of delegation and sort of saying like, can you just do this one thing? Sure. So, you know, Fair Play is built around the idea that anybody who's cohabitating... Mm -hmm. Well, let me say this. There's the Fair Play book, right, which Eve Rodsky sort of launched and created this idea that we could have domestic equality. Um, And I think since the book was written and there have been trained facilitators, there's so much more richness in how you can think about the concept. So especially for a father audience i actually don't recommend that people read the book oh i
0: loved it i you really loved it? it i did i really like it. it it just like landed in like the organizational consultant part of me i'm like oh yeah
1: yeah manage this yes you can but, manage it yeah. i but there it's a like a little bashy i think towards men towards oh dads. i didn't get that all right good i'm glad
0: yeah i didn't get that
1: i don't want anybody to feel bad and feel like attacked I love the documentary. I think the documentary does like a great job of showcasing. Oh, I haven't seen sort the of, documentary. it's good. It's on Hulu. It's free. Huh. Um, but basically, the idea is like we live in a society. This is not about any individual couple. We live in a society where, in a cis-hetero relationship, moms do all the things, dads get away, not doing very much. They go make money. They come home. They expect everything to be done right, mm-hmm. based on like a very small section of history. <laughs> yeah. We've built this society, and especially now that there are many. To income earners, or the fact that having kids is a full time job, and why does one person do a twenty four seven job and the other person does mm-hmm. a forty hour week job? Whatever, we need to switch it up. So, um, the the core of that is you know, you have a task or a card or something you're responsible for. Um, and if somebody is responsible for that thing, they should basically own what fair play calls the CPE or mm-hmm. conception, planning, and execution of that task. Mm-hmm. And that gets at the thinking that goes into something. Mm-hmm. And um, the way we talk about it sort of for new and expectant parents is around diaper changes. Mm -hmm. Because diaper changes is the easiest place to understand that dads are different than they were a generation ago. Yeah. Right? You probably changed so many diapers. Like you can't even count how many Mm -hmm. diapers you changed. Many, many,
0: many. Yeah.
1: So there's a difference between dads who are like, I'm in it. I'm going to change the diapers. My dad maybe changed five, right, Mm -hmm. in his life. Mm -hmm. Um, And a dad who is thinking about all the work that goes into diaper changes. So what brand of diapers do we buy, right? right? Where do the diapers go in our house? Like the ones on the changing table, but also the extras. (laughs) When are we low? When are we gonna buy new ones? When does my baby grow out of them? What happens if my baby gets diaper rash? How do I think about potty training? That's the end of diapering, right? So there's all these thoughts and questions and developmental milestones that typically moms are still the ones tracking. And to some extent, that's because dads aren't going out and looking for the information. But in that societal context, to some extent, that's because all the blogs and all the marketing is directed towards moms.
0: Uh, Yeah, totally. Right? Fatherly maybe touches it a little bit, but... I don't I don't know. No, No.
1: I haven't really seen anything that's like I mean, that's why people come to birth smarter because it's just a gender neutral place to learn about newborns. Right. Mm. It's not like, hey, mama, let's talk about diaper rash
0: Yeah, (laughs) Uh,
1: because there's a lot. And yeah, sure. You can watch those reels on Instagram and get that information. But. Every, we all know what it's like to consume media that's created for you totally, and not created for you. And so, you know, we get to, with Fair Play, you get to write on a whiteboard or put on post-it notes or be really creative on a spreadsheet, whatever you want to do, sort of say, who is going to own X, Y, and Z?
0: You should consult. Yeah. You can for brands. We do.
1: Oh, I yeah, just a little. We've started doing some, um, yeah, a little bit. I want to do that more.
0: I would like to do that too. That, mm-hmm. that would be good.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So fair play is awesome. And I think just that, you know, you don't need to read the book or do fair play coaching to say, oh, okay, what if we sat down and yeah. we treated our house like it was a job yep. and like we are co-managers. Can
0: I say something? Yeah. Because this just came up to me because I think maybe this is uh, would help dads get it it's not you don't treat it like a job At your job you show up you do what you're told mm. you clock out you, you you treat it like you own a business right
1: see that's so hard for me because i own a business right well, so, so i'm I, right? like i'm assuming that that's but for sure but no but this that's is huge not, yeah
0: because even yeah. for me that that's a distinction for me even in this moment where yeah um yeah it yeah. would be good to do it to podcast a coaching one because it's it's gnarly right man god we've worked so hard and try to support each other so much, and there's you know we did the cards uh six weeks ago, and um mm-hmm. you know How'd I was go. holding it it went it went fairly well it was surprised she was surprised how many I held, but she still has most of them, yeah right um you know probably seventy percent or something like that and um yeah it it went well we need to we need to like stick it through that's why I think a coach would be really would be really, really helpful. I
1: think that the reason I became a fair play coach was because we tried to do it alone and it didn't work. Yeah. At all. Like, we had some big fights doing fair play cards and we were like... We did it because we were having big
0: fights. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. And then I, um, yeah, as with many things, was like, okay, well, let me, like, get trained and figure this out. And then I came back to our conversations with so much more perspective. Yeah. Right? And I think the biggest thing that I learned that where I think people need coaching um, is that, well, one, when we get to people who are expecting Mm -hmm. right we can set up a fair play dynamic before there's a ton of resentment before there's this inequity and so if somebody is just living with a partner and you're not having kids check out fair play yeah but if you are going to have a kid figure this stuff out ahead of time yeah. or as early as possible. Because I think you and I both are examples of people who did it once the, you know, the scale was so heavily weighted. And then what happens is you're trying to weed through all of this resentment yeah. and all this history. And you really need to start fair play on a level playing field of like, we are two people that have the best intentions and are going to show up here. And yes, please Yeah, right? <laughs> God, yeah. Um, and so like let's go to our separate corners with our friends yeah. or our therapist and yeah. like really fucking complain yeah. <laughs> And then come to the conversation with our partner and say, okay, yeah. not everywhere I can't do it everywhere. But when it comes to figuring out how we're gonna do the dishes mm-hmm. I'm gonna hit a reset button. Mm-hmm. The past doesn't matter. What do we do moving forward? Yeah, you know and um, and then committing To that plan.
0: Yeah, totally the, I'm just debating whether I should say this or not. I think it's going to get me in trouble, but <laughs> I should say it anyway. Um, I'm just realizing, I mean, this is so helpful even just to talk about it for, uh, you know, 20 minutes. But I realize, I'm realizing it like in real time here, <clears throat> one of the probably just um, ingrained beliefs or, I mean, there's some just obviously blind spots, right? I'm, yeah. I'm like huge blind spots for myself. I'm speaking about it. Um, one of them is, again, not having that intentional perspective time before we got into it would have been so, so like, what do we mean? So, you know, I met my wife and we fell in love and like, I just want to be home. I just want to be a mom. I've always wanted to, you know, and like, we set it up for her to not work. And I'm like, well, okay, I got it. You know, I'll go, I'll go do the thing and, um, did the thing. Right. And, uh, you know, I, I think I'm sure there's like varying levels, like, you know, not a dad who didn't do diapers, not a dad who didn't do dishes, not a dad who didn't cook, not a dad who didn't clean, not a dad who didn't like all the things. And obviously my wife has held the 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 deep end of so much of it. Yeah. Um but there's a part of me it's just like, Well, isn't that the deal we made? But no it wasn't because we didn't make a deal. Yeah. Right? Yeah. We didn't make a deal. And that's, that's why, you know, the process for me, like I, I'm up for it, right? I'm, give me the, give me the truth, right? It's, it is hard when emotions, when, when harm has been done. It's hard when, when resentment is high, right? There's, there's places where I fucked up, but I don't know I'll recover, right? With sleep specifically, like Mm. nighttime stuff, things like that. Like, I don't know. I don't know if we come back from that one. Mm Um, but, uh. Yeah, it is a I Mean this this highlights to me the fatherhood ready cohorts. This needs to be a whole Mm -hmm. Whole thing like a whole specific thing
1: It's actually really heartbreaking because I think I think about my marriage I think about so many people that I know in the birth smarter community who have that thought at some point Isn't this the deal we made and then if you take a step back, you're like damn No we didn't we didn't talk about this we didn't make a deal it wasn't explicit
0: no and i
1: think that there's something i had a coaching call with a couple who was really struggling they were just struggling to stay afloat Mm to you know high impact working parents in a city um two kids with all the extracurriculars they were just living a busy life Mm -hmm. you know and um To some extent, fair play can't fix that. If you have too much on your plate, you have too much on your plate. But to some extent, it was clear in this relationship that um, the dad in particular was like, I... Don't want to do all this work. That's not the expectation that I have. My expectation is I have to go and work and use my brain and mental load and manage things and be professional at work. Mm -hmm. And I want to come home and feel like nurtured and calm and loved and all of that yeah and i think that again like on one hand i was like yeah me too yeah, totally. <laughs> you know i get that and on the other hand i'm like well we live in a society where the nuclear family is still like the pinnacle and we all are reinventing the wheel every day doing all this work. It would be way easier if I could come to your house on Thursdays and you could come to my house on Sundays and, you you know, yeah. we had that community support. But in light of that, we all have to do a ton of work. And it is just really challenging. Mm -hmm. And if your family, if you want to get the benefits of kids who have some form of emotional regulation Mm -hmm. and the benefits of kids who are like remotely clean or remotely intelligent (laughs) or or your house is, you know, Mm -hmm. you can find things in it, you know, and you can eat nutritious food like somebody is doing that work and you're benefiting from it. And so most of the time it's going to be better when all of the household participants are like in it together
0: Yeah, do you know the the recent book uh, hunt gather parent.
1: Yeah, I haven't yeah. read it yet I just thought
0: into the first third of it right now and it it's uh, kind of explaining the the Mayan culture and how they uh, raise their children to Be so deeply involved and helpful and and i'm just, just like my god, that's fucking awesome <laughs> you know i mean there's yeah. just so much um it's just so obvious we're we're uh, you know we're we're working with a small amount of well what the, what that book makes a case for is that we're parenting on principles that were fundamentally built by basically orphanages in the strange western male dominated world and not following basic human practices that 100%. have been 100% yeah
1: right which is early parenting also right it's like yeah. Bottle feeding, sleep training—though those things are fine when they make sense for your life cycle, lifestyle. You know, telling everybody that that is the the assumption of Western culture yeah. doesn't make sense. And the other thing that I think is really cool is, so my daughter just turned nine, mm. and we've noticed that she's hit. This is the first summer where she is like whiny and bored, mm. sort of a lot. in a way that's very triggering for me. Um, And a number of times I've been like, oh, I don't have to find a thing for you to do. Like you don't want a book to read or something to draw. You want something to do Mm. like you need to feel useful and purposeful like you are contributing Yes, and I was like damn. I feel like that a lot damn everybody I think feels like that a lot and when life is too easy And we're not contributing we feel sort of lost and I think it connects back to this fatherhood idea because the fair play research is very clear That when dads step in more Not just like more play days, Mm -hmm. but when dads step in to hold the mental load and hold the full conception planning and execution of cards They're more invested Mm -hmm. in the family and they have a deeper bond with their kids, you know And so I think sports is like a really low-hanging way to see that out Like as soon as you know, my husband became a baseball coach he and my son were like cool good got it And it's like all right. Well, how do we do that? in the baby and the toddler years
0: love it yeah well so to to begin to wrap up here i would love to have you sort of whiteboard or vision you know vision into the future here you know a decade or a couple decades out like what is how does fatherhood look a little bit down the road that that makes you excited or hopeful
1: um i think that men are really excited to have parent like to become parents right we live in a world where men just feel excited to take that on and have okay so physiologically i'm going to use my own framework to answer this question physiologically humans are taught what it means to have a kid Mm -hmm. right what does pregnancy look like what is that journey going to be how do we think about health and wellness and support in terms of getting ready to like welcome a kid because i think people are going to become a lot more intentional about whether or not they want to have kids in our society Mm -hmm. so i hope that comes with a lot of learning and a lot of opportunities to to embrace sort of you know like a whole not holistic lifestyle but like a okay, who do we wanna be before we become parents? Mm -hmm. Um, So I I hope that there's some sort of health and mental health men's work that goes into it, right? And then I hope that they learn a lot about babies. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think part of that comes from asking young men to spend time Mm. with kids. Mm right is not to be like oh that's not my thing but babysitter, like sitter training,
0: right? babysitter training right babysitter training for boys yeah that'd be rad
1: to seek it out you know hold babies go hang out with your cousins babysit if you're given the chance to
0: i hadn't held a baby till i was 29. Yeah. I moved in with a couple in Brooklyn who were friends of mine who had a kid because I realized that. And I'm like, this is this is not going to, like, yeah. I need to hold a baby. But
1: you're not <laughs> unique, you know? We teach 38-year-old men having their first kid. They're like, I've never held a baby. I've never yeah. changed a diaper. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, it's going to be hard for you. You have yeah. no experience yeah. here, right? Yeah. So, like, I want, I would want men to go and, like, get some baby exposure. You um, and- should
0: create um, um, Airbnb for babies. <laughs> I need some extra cash. Come, come, come! Hold oh, my dog. Or, or like a
1: cat cafe. Like <laughs> you can get a coffee and hold my baby.
0: For high dollars. <laughs> for big dollar. Yeah.
1: Well, I don't know. I mean, I think part of it, too, is, like, I don't know if you could actualize this with your groups, right? But, like, saying, hey, dads, bring your babies, and then a bunch of these expectant fathers are going to come hang out.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Ooh, yeah, 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 yeah.
1: Right? And just 100%. get these, like, fresh newbies to be like, all right, here, look, I got a baby in a carry. I got a toddler, and I need your help, person, is that, who's about is to that, have a baby. That's
0: perfect. That's fucking beautiful. You just imagine, like, a, a men's gathering to hold babies. Like, that literally... Breaks down the the patterns.
1: Yeah, and in, in real time. Like think about you know, not everybody is gonna know what I'm talking about here, but I see tons of pictures on social media of all these women's retreats or all these pictures of like moms holding their babies, right? Like let's let's get some art out there with yeah. men and their babies totally. and fatherhood things. So um so I hope to see more of that. I hope that um companies like ours and into bigger brands i think it's starting with like laundry soap right mm-hmm. they're messaging to men mm-hmm. but i hope that we just can drop the the gender around parenting advice and newborn care mm-hmm. and baby stuff just to say like hey if you're parenting if you're caregiving like Mm -hmm. these are some things to think about so that um men and dads really have a place to go to get information uh where they don't have to cross that barrier um and i hope that you know everybody figures out um to be kinder and gentler towards themselves
0: and each other yeah yeah. 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 In the that process.
1: Oh, that's a really big one that I see and I think this connects to the deeper work that you do is just taking hits of I'm not good enough. I'm not doing this right. Somebody is mad at me and internalizing all of that is this really ugly, self fulfilling prophecy at the beginning of fatherhood. And I think we need um we need you know, society to do a lot of work to make mm-hmm. it easier. And then we need men to do a lot of work to be brave enough to sort of overcome those feelings mm-hmm. um, and say, I'm going to do this even if it's hard.
0: Mm-hmm. Wonderful. What a wonderful place to stop. Oh man. Um, well, I'm grateful um, and excited. Yeah. Excited to stay connected around this. I mean, obviously there's a a giant ocean of water to sift through <laughs> here, uh, but yeah, thank you for the work you do, and and uh, yeah, what else? Uh, I mean, we talked about your programs, but share more. You know, the thing where where where's your stuff? what do you want to highlight for folks to to go pay attention to
1: yeah if anybody is expecting birth smarter specializes in our childbirth education classes people sign up for those in their second trimester and then plan to take them um, on zoom on demand or in new york city or salt lake city um, in person with us uh, so you take the classes in the third trimester, but people should sign up early. Um, and then if anybody has a baby in the first three months, uh, they can do a fourth trimester survival group with us online or in New York. And then I do dad's cohorts that's really focused on the first few months Um, it's not men's work it's very much like Mm -hmm. how is your baby sleeping how are they feeding how are you talking to your partner a fair play intro all of that so that's all online and I would love folks to come do that with me Um, and we do a free dad's meetup the first Thursday of every month on Zoom if folks just want to Really, I think it's mostly a come get some parenting advice Mm -hmm. or talk to other people about the nuts and bolts of Mm -hmm. what's going on with their kid. And and mostly that's for, I would say, babies up until like early toddlerhood.
0: Yeah, beautiful.
1: Yeah, and Mm -hmm. everything is at BirthSmarter. birthsmarter BirthSmarter.com, BirthSmarter on Instagram. I'm Ashley at BirthSmarter. We're really easy to find.
0: All right. Thank you for doing this.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me.
0: All right, if you're all the way at the end here and you're still listening to my voice, I consider you a champion of all the universe. Thank you for being here. I'm uh, indebted to to Ashley. I'm very grateful that, for this conversation. Uh, leave us a review. You know, send this to your friends. Please pass this along. This next year, we're really going to be laying into this, this show and this community, and we want to see it grow. You can help us do that. Thank you.